You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. I got one thing to say. Wiener's out. Mm. No vaginas this no week. No vaginas this week. Exactly. Poor vagina. No wonder it feels so lonely in here. <laughs> Too so for Harambe. Smells like fish and bad decisions. Oh, God. Oh, man. This is your vagina-free episode of Real Crime, episode number 52. Damn. And it is, um, this is a man week, and, you know, I'm thinking about this on the way here. I'm like, it's only going to be men tonight. It's mantastic. When we get to, when we get to the meat of this show, it's going to be... Sausage fest. <laughs> when we get to the meat of this show, I think it's going to be kind of weird. Um, we're already little, kind of in the meat of the show. Were, we really were before. Be a little kubasa. I was saying we should have been rolling before we even kicked in the, the <laughs> we intro are music. balls deep into the meat of this show. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, Real Crime, episode 52. We're getting pretty old here, Chris. I don't know. Yeah. We're going to need walkers pretty soon, I think. Um, Was it like three more? No, we got like 13 more episodes, and then we're eligible for Social Security. Yeah, yes. We get like a sweet AARP discount. (laughs) (laughs) And we're and and per usual, I'm handicapped this week. My voice is shot again from being away all all weekend. You're always handicapped. Doing dumb shit. Uh, It's because you get to the meat of things far too quickly. (laughs) So does this mean I'm going to be like Bruce Campbell and Bubba Hotep getting a boil massaged out of my oh, dick? God. Oh, God. I felt my pecker flutter like a pigeon having a heart attack. That's and one then I laid back down limp and still. <laughs> That's one big bitch cockroach. I love that line. That's a movie that doesn't get its due. We'll talk about that Absolutely. later. Speaking of sad movies. Oh, ah, let it go. Go ahead, Chris. Well, well yeah. But wait. But wait. Today, Junior. But wait. Chris has been on the street. Beating the hell out of motherfuckers, tearing people's heads off, beating um, their meat. Would you say beating their meat? Okay. For for this particular show, he's fighting Harmony Kareem. He looks like shit. <laughs> you look. I mean, you look worse than you normally do. Yeah, Chris. yeah, yeah. All to get us the news. The what news. What do we have this week, Chris? This is Gary Ganews with the news. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. In the news this week, Haley Steinfeld is apparently signing to star in the. Transformers spinoff, uh, the Solo Bumblebee movie. So we need more of those movies. Yeah, we need yeah. a sixth Transformers movie. Um, in other news, Adam Wingard is going to direct the Godzilla versus King Kong movie, which I'm actually pretty excited about that because, I mean, he's done some pretty cool horror shit. So Absolutely. Big fan of the guest right here, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So and I like this Blair Witch remake, too. Yeah, yeah same here. That was fun. Yeah, uh, your next. I know that not everyone liked your next, but I enjoyed that one. There's things about your next that I like, but there's things about it that I don't like. Mm-hmm. But it's still a decent movie, yeah. Yeah. and he's a great director. That's really all that matters. I think getting him outside of his normal realm of doing the horror thing, mm. this will be really cool for him to see what he can do with a budget, a budget <laughs> in a visual uh, effects spectacle yeah. like this. Uh, <laughs> what are you giggling about? Oh boy! Alien Covenant, Covenant, oh. Alien Covenant, Covenant, Covenant. Yeah, Alien Covenant saw they said possibly the second biggest box office drop in the history of cinema. It dropped seventy one percent in Ooh. its second week from the opening weekend. Wow! That's, yeah, that's the, that's, that, that's sad. Very sad. It's brutal, is what it is. It made sixty-three million the first weekend, and yeah. the second million it dropped from number one to number four, and only made 
like just around ten million dollars. What was the budget for the film? I forgot. Oh geez, I mean it was in the mid hundreds without yeah. the marketing on it. So well, they're... at least it didn't, you know, repeat after Earth's performance, where it starts at number one and it's so bad that it drops to like number ten by Sunday. Yeah, so there's still hope. <laughs> yeah, is there hope it'll be a good movie? I Ridley Knight Shyamalan. <laughs> Yeah, it just. But he's good again, so I feel kind of bad making that joke. Yeah. Then in other box office mm, news, mm. this latest Pirates of the Caribbean movie, which everybody thought was going to flop, did the exact opposite. It's made over. It made over two hundred and seventy-one million dollars globally over the holiday weekend. That's Probably most of the Chinese market. Yeah, that's guess. insane. That's what happens when you get Anton Chigurh in your film, man. Yeah, but they're Fuck saying... Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. They're estimating that this one will make just as much money as the first three movies in the franchise made, which wow. is kind of crazy because you think it, by the fifth movie, it's going to start petering Floundering out. A little yeah. Bit, yeah. yeah, this one, no. They're estimating that it will make over a billion dollars at the global box office. Gore Verbinski didn't direct this one, did he? No. no it's it's, it's a couple different. of newcomers, actually. Yeah. Mm. I haven't seen anything else that they've done. I saw rumblings today online of them. This is a really, really bad idea mm. that they are going to possibly CGI David Bowie into the next season of Twin Peaks. Hmm. That why <laughs> kill me? The only way they'd be able why? to the only way they'd be able to do that is if they turn him into a tree. Do you have a corner that I can cry in? I mean, that works right for there. Michael You're right Anderson. There, <laughs> I know exactly. Son of a bitch! It's a horrible idea. It's a horrid it fucking idea. It's, no. it's almost as bad as putting Princess Leia at the end of Rogue One. Spoilers. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you get there, you will already be there. And then last bit of news <laughs> is Twin Peaks is just destroying numbers for Showtime. They had their biggest uh, subscription signups they've ever had in the history of the channel. It's just doing huge, huge numbers for them. I've already watched the third episode like three times. And yeah. I'm completely blown away by this. Because you're obsessed. I got to get caught up. Yeah, I am Me fucking too. obsessed. It's, I got to get caught up on this. Yeah. I'm, I'm not on the train yet, and I really want to be on the train, so... Soon. Working with the visual effects team behind Enter the Void, the K&B effects team behind the Kill Bill movies, yeah. and uh, Johnny Jewel and the Chromatics for the soundtrack, well, at least a good part of it. Um, it's been amazing so far, like better than anything I've seen on the theater screen all year. I got to catch up on that, too. So moving on with news, new releases this week, we have Wonder Woman, which is going to absolutely destroy at the box office. We already know that. Yeah. They're saying it's the best of all the Marvel and DC movies that have ever been made. It's at like an over 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So this thing is going to be a juggernaut. Yeah, it would be say. nice to see them turn it around. It's time for them to turn it around for sure. Yeah. And then other release this week is Captain Underpants. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm reading those books to my son. They're actually pretty good books. They're yeah, fun, they're entertaining. But I can't see turning it into a movie. Not yeah, everything yeah. needs to be no. a film. No. Leave it alone. <laughs> so that's our news for this week. you got to remember who you're talking about. These are Hollywood people. Yeah. Every bad idea is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. We forgot to mention that we did 
we were going to do it before news. We just talked about that literally minutes ago, Chris, and we forgot to mention that we did go to Comic-Con. Chris and I went um, and hung out there. This is uh, where you were talking about the meat beating earlier the on the beating, street? Yeah, serious meat, meat, meat beating um, in, <laughs> that I was doing in front of Marky Ramon. That was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Um, it would have been cooler if it was Marky Mark. Yeah. <laughs> In the funky bunch, in the fun- <laughs> you could have slammed it balls deep in his wall burger. What guy? Oh my <laughs> god, dude! Holy shit! <laughs> I'm a terrible person. What am I doing here? It's <laughs> fucking beautiful. Why, yeah. Why aren't you here every week? <laughs> um, no, that was a lot of. We had a, it was a great day. We got we got to hang out with a lot of cool people that day and uh, um, and cover the event. Uh, do a couple interviews, talk to some people. I mean, really, we just we went around there, you know. And I know we only want to spend a couple minutes on it. Um, it's been a while since I've been to Comic Con, and I remember we we were talking incessantly on the way back from that thing, mm-hmm. uh, just about how great it is and how much fun we had. I mean, I know I personally had a riot, um, and I don't. I'm not much of a comic person, but you know, I don't need to be. You don't you really need to don't be. Need There's to be. something for anybody there, really, um, for whatever interest you have. I wouldn't suggest going there to shop but I could probably get sued for saying that, too. It's um, really expensive to shop. I mean, and yeah, there were several times where either we knew or somebody around us was like, dude, dude you can get that oh, for like pennies on a dollar. I had this, you know? I had this uh, Star Wars metal figure in my hand, and I'm looking at it. It's like yeah. $37, and a guy walks up behind me. He's like, don't buy that. Don't buy yeah, that. Yeah, I remember buy that, dude. That. We're like, what? And I'm like, what? He's like, don't buy that. I'm like, okay. He's like, you can get it for $5 on clearance at the Disney store right now. <laughs> He's like, but you look more like a collector anyways than a scalper. But yeah, don't yeah. buy it. And I'm That's like, why I the eBay app was invented. Yeah, I was not going to buy that. Yeah, there was, but as far as just shopping, I should say looking yeah. uh, and drooling like we did all day long. Salivating. Uh, lots of fantastic artists there to check nice out. To oh yeah, shirt. for sure. And the celebs are fun. Uh, Ron Perlman walked by us, and he did not look too good. He looked a little upset. Oh, yeah. He looked pissed. Which our insider, our insider who we were talking to all day long, said, oh, yeah, those guys all went out. All the celebs went out and got fucked up the night before yeah. majorly, which I'm sure they do at all these conferences. Uh, so he was feeling, I guess he was crashed out. It's the insider tip we had. I guess he was crashed out on the couch yeah. in the green room all day long. He was just passed out. So I think he just woke up to come out and do his appearance. A um, little hungover. Yeah, a little hungover. Uh, but yeah, uh, I got to. I went. That was my indulgence. I went and met Marky Ramon. I had to go do that. Um, I didn't indulge in anything, but I dug hanging out with uh, John Tenney. John Tenney. Yeah, I, we could go on for probably hours on that. He's and he's been on the other. You know, my other the other show I do, Go right. See Talk. Uh, he's been a friend for years too. Is he still married to Terry Hatcher? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Actually, is my favorite Lois Lane. I, I knew it was on its way. <laughs> I knew it. But yeah, I, I used to co- beat the meat streets for, for that one for a <laughs> long time. He'll be joining us here pretty soon, too. That's that's something in the works right yeah. now. Cool. Yep. Um, really, really great guy, and um, you know, you can, he, you can get him on anything. So he'll be joining us here on, on Real Crime. So, Chris. Yes. We worked long and hard on this. Okay. No pun intended. <laughs> um, that seems to be a theme for the night. He uh-huh. just said that so I wouldn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what is our? I want you to. What is our topic this week, Chris? Sad movies. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm glad I have viewings. this corner right here. Yeah. <laughs> so 
No suggested viewings this week. These tissues oh, are just for tears. We we forgot. We we skipped. I, that's my fault. We skipped right by suggested viewings. Good going. Do we have suggested you viewings? Be so schmott if you didn't have the answers on that screen, Trebek. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, I, myself, I I I have. What I did watch this week, I mean, every, I had a bad week. The stuff that I did watch, I don't want to suggest it. So okay. Skip by me. The one suggested viewing I have is uh, The Survivalist. It's a movie that was just released by IFC. Really, really cool. It takes the post-apocalyptic genre and kind of turns it on its head. Instead of, like, cars and action and violence and all that shit, it's basically some dude that's been living out in the woods by himself for, like, a decade just surviving off the land because the entire global food system has crashed. Yeah. So everybody's starving and it's very silent movie. It's just him out in nature and in this cabin and he gets a couple new friends and shit just falls apart, but it's very realistic in its presentation. So that would be one. I definitely suggest. Definitely. Can I chime in? I did see one thing really quick, and I just want to mention it. And I don't know if you guys have seen it or not. I know it's been getting mentioned a lot on the internet, the interwebs or whatever. Uh, I am Jane Doe. Did you guys see that yet? I am Jane Doe, the documentary. It's not on Netflix. Um, that's pretty interesting. Let's just put it that way. Um, I don't want to go too deep into it because we have other things to cover tonight. But um, there's been a lot of hype on this, a lot of, and, and it's very recent too. Like this documentary runs right into this year. Like they were filming right up to like right to the very end before they went into editing, I imagine. Um, very brief. It's about it's about it's about a company, you know, and 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 sex. What do you call it? The sex trafficking thing. Yeah, now. that's what this is about. Tied into a certain company. I suggest you watch it. It's on Netflix. Really easy to watch now. It's on the instant thing. Uh, check that out. That's all I have. Sorry. Uh, Anything else? I have one. Yeah. It hasn't come out yet, but. It is scheduled to be released. Oh, tomorrow. Um, you can look it up. It's anyone who is a fan of The Room. Tommy Wiseau, crazy bastard. Oh, you're telling me about Lisa. <laughs> a Room Full of Spoons, the documentary about Tommy Wiseau's mysterious backgrounds and the ensuing legal battles about actually getting the documentary released is coming sounds, out tomorrow. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, I think it's on demand, and they're releasing uh, Blu-rays and DVDs as well on the website. Wow. Outstanding. I gotta check this one out. Oh, I can't wait if it. But I mean, it, to say that it pissed off Tommy Wiseau isn't really saying much. In other news, loops loop, gravity works, and the sky is blue. So. <laughs> Andrew, um, you already know what I'm gonna say. What? Twin, okay, Twin Peaks. Okay, yeah, you we just you, you were jacking off to that a minute ago. I know I was, and um, put it put it away. Start all dude, over again. God. Oh God, dude. this is radio, <laughs> not television. <laughs> the, it, so the hype. This it, is this, it exceeds the hype. It exceeds the hype, in my opinion. Some people are disappointed. I don't care as a as a Lynch fan who uh, has been following his work for years. It uh, yeah, two thumbs way up. It it is really impressive. Are those thumbs in your ass? <laughs> Thumb Jack in the shit box. Oh, God. As long as he doesn't switch him. You know, like yeah. one in his mouth, one oh, never mind. It's the, it's the Dale Cooper no thumbs up. Mouth. No ass to mouth. Oh, God. I mean, the last time we saw him was, what, 2006? Inland Empire, blurry yeah. digital yeah. video, and that was going to be it for David Lynch. And now we've got some of the most technically proficient uh, visual effects work, and uh, 
and uh, design he's ever sh- done. I have to get my shit together on this. Yes, you I do. Watch this stuff. Dude. Be sure to watch it on a home theater. It, the sound is amazing. So okay, <sighs> all right. Now we move again. Now we're gonna right, get yeah, depressed. Fuck, yeah, yeah. Fuck uh, this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sad movies. Let me let me. I'm gonna feel comb, I'm gonna comb my hair over my year. face <laughs> and keep flicking every two seconds. The You're so emotional. I, I don't know, man. By I Kirk just, Cameron. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't cope with this, man. Yeah. I don't know. You so, know, I was thinking about this yeah. today, and I'm just I'm beating my brain, and I'm going like, what is? <laughs> I'm beating Blake? my meat. <laughs> going. <laughs> <laughs> What's the saddest movie <laughs> ever? No. That was really, really realistic. Man. So there's a. There, Okay, sad movies, and we were even debating this a little bit before the show started. Like, what's a sad movie, right? And I think that, unfortunately, I think it it would be it, it's an interpretation that's different for a lot of people. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, like, does it does it make you cry because you're happy, or is crying really not really the benchmark for for a sad movie? Because no, some I, movies just leave you feeling like shit. Yeah, you just feel you you don't feel right. You're irked when you walk away from them, you know. And I thought <laughs> the funniest parts too. The last episode of Real Crime was on extreme horror. Yeah, right? which yeah. is fucking horrible. Yeah, and we come and start this is and this is I think Andrew is, brought that up too. He's like. We're doing this all over yeah, again. We're, we're gonna, basically, yeah. I'm like, there's gonna be a lot of. We're gonna probably cross a lot of lines here, right? Uh, there's gonna be. We're gonna mention things. So I guess I, I got that list here. But you know, if you guys want to just use it, go right ahead. Yeah. Uh, Somebody just throw one out on the floor here. The Alien is, Covenant the was the saddest movie I've seen. In <laughs> I, don't, I, don't need, I didn't want the list, but we can just throw something on the floor here. Um, that movie made me personally sad, and I saw it a second time last Alien night. Alien Covenant. Did, did it get any better? It got. You know, it got a little bit better because. I didn't have expectations anymore, but I still cried. I, <laughs> I cried all over Catherine the Catherine Waterston with a butch haircut. This sucks. Yeah, it's it just. Come what on. if she put the same haircut on her bush? So you don't like it. Karen no one can hear you do fingering. <laughs> yeah. Alien so, Kofif. <laughs> Alien Covenant. All right, here's one I'm going to throw out there that I've mentioned on other shows: the Red Violin. Now. There may be some debate on this. Now, first off, has anybody seen The Red Violin? I have not, but I I know the score. And I mm-hmm. still think it's BS that it took the best original score away from Thomas Newman in 1999. I call bullshit on that. <laughs> American Beauty's music was better. Well, the Red Violin for me. Wait I don't know about you, Andrew. Um, I didn't say uh, that I've seen it, but John Corigliano won for Red Violin. I know, I know. Dorks. I, I mean, know. shit. He wrote the score for Altered States. He's yeah. okay in my book. I know. I know that he's okay. I'm not and, saying that he did a bad job. And Thomas Newman, if you remember, scored Revenge of the Nerds. Just yeah. reinforces my point. <laughs> <laughs> so. so anyway, no, sorry, Scott. No, no, you're yeah. fine. I'm, I'm actually really enjoying this. I, <laughs> this is cool. The it's going to come to blows in a minute. Side banter that has nothing to do with the No, no, it's cool. No, it, no, it <laughs> Once does. Once you put that it lynch does. penis away, it's on. <laughs> in the meantime, here's some hand sanitizer. I'm not touching you. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. All right, Red Violin. I know the first time I saw this, and I don't, I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, I just like films about inanimate objects that do 
make their way through time. Make their way. That that was really cool. Now that's not a sad thing at all. I think what really and again I'm not I'm going to do my best not to spoil anything here is just you know you do get the reveal, um, and you've you've followed this the, this instrument through all this time and all these things it's been through, and then you see how it actually was created. Um, the heaviness of that just really tore me apart. Um, it was just a, it was just as simple as that. I mean, it, the movie was actually very upbeat through the whole film, right? And it right. was more kind of nerdy and scientific to a certain degree. Um, you're learning about this instrument, um, and but through the whole thing, the thread that follows through is you know there's, there's just nothing like this instrument. Nothing sounds like this instrument. It's the most incredible thing we've ever come across. You know, and there's an actual scene where the guy says like, "This is the most complicated." intense piece of musical machinery I've, I've, I've ever come across. Um, but then you see at the end, you know, wh- why? Right. Or possibly why. There's a lot of ways to interpret that. And that was so sad to me, um, you know, how this thing came about, right? It was not concepted, you know, from someone who was, the, he was inspired but not like I love music. I want to, you know, it was a totally different inspiration. And that's what really kind of just, I walked away from that going, yeah, I'm better for seeing this film. But at the same time, man, I'm fucking bummed out hard. Yeah. Um, beautiful movie, though. I suggest anybody sees that, um, you know, several times if you can. And yeah, check that movie out. Uh, so that's what I'm throwing on the floor to start with. One that really affected me was Fruitvale Station. Did any of you guys see that one? No. Not yet. Ryan Coogler, right? Yeah. yeah. It's it's a piece of, you know, it's actual realism. It's something that happened in real life where somebody was beat to death by the police at Fruitvale Station. Yeah. And it stars Michael B. Jordan as the main character. Okay. And basically the whole movie is, you know, showing, you know, how he is in real life and how outgoing he is and whatnot and how he's actually... You know, he's a decent person who's trying to raise his daughter. It's been a while since I've seen it, but his life ends in a subway station because these police are just overbearing and, you know, shouting and getting violent, and they end up killing this guy just because they're assholes. It's a really a, – it's a heart-wrencher. Yeah. And, like, I was in the theater, and there were probably only maybe – 25 or 30 people in the entire theater with me yeah. and like everybody in the theater was sobbing at the end and I'm just like sitting there like I wasn't crying but it's like it's almost equally as horrifying and sad to hear people around you crying at what's happening on the screen and realizing like holy shit mm-hmm. this actually happened in real life and from what I understand it was presented properly in the movie which a lot of times they over traumatize and change things yeah this wasn't and it was shot almost documentary style mm-hmm. so it was really a hard hard sad movie to watch. i think if you watch mm-hmm. people around you too I've, I've noticed that too i've been i've seen heavy flicks wherever right. theater um you know what's going on inside your own mind and your own heart. You know that's kind of yours, and if you care to express that, you express it. You know, yeah. If you can't control yourself and you have to let that out, you let it out. I think that's right. A, I think that should be done. That's the part of the human experience. You have to do that. It's stress relief. Yeah. Um, but when you see other people expressing themselves, 
you know, that, that to me, I'm kind of like, and I've been like, yeah, and I've been to some movies where people are freaking out, and I'm like, what the fuck are you crying about? This isn't that sad. Yeah. You know? But there are some where you're, you may be feeling that inside, but you may not want to express that, right? You just don't feel, but you do see other people, and that maybe that. It's kind of like the castor oil scene. You know? Yeah, think about yeah. it. You know, it just it, it yawning. It may it may come to you too. It may overcome you also when you see somebody else uh, expressing themselves in that way too. I, again, I haven't seen the movie, but um, it seems so senseless. Like that idea. Yeah, and it, that's part of it. It was so senseless. Well, I'm also a, I'm also an addicted forensic files watcher too, like an okay. idiot. So every single episode, I say the same thing. I'm like, God damn it, dude, this was so stupid. Yeah. Why this person at the dais so senselessly like that? So it sounds like the same scenario here. Anyways, moving on. And speaking of Kugler, I mean, he made Creed, and uh, <clears throat> I kind of was glad I wasn't in the theater because I probably would have been the only one. But uh, when you start to see Rocky really struggle with cancer and the vomiting, the chemotherapy, his hair turning gray and white and falling yeah. out. That speech he gives about how everyone in his life is, you know, gone and there's nobody yeah. left. It's... That got to me, but not like seeing him battle cancer, because that's how I lost my dad. Right. And when I saw that, I mean, it just, it brought back every oh, memory man. that I ever had of him falling out of bed at night just trying to get to the bathroom and... You know, a, a dude who had a full head of hair at 61 years old, all of a sudden it's just turning white and all falling out. Right. I mean, yeah. so anybody who has ever seen a loved one go through that, and you go into Creed expecting Rocky Seven, it's gonna hit you in the fucking gut because it, yeah. th- that I didn't know that going into the film. I tried to keep it as cold as possible so that I would be you know, just kind of let the surprises and the happenings of it wash over me. And mm-hmm. that one, that was a sucker punch. Yeah, I think that's another whole element of everything we're going to talk about tonight, too. And I think that's really maybe the belly of it also, is that when you watch a film, and that's exactly what you're talking about right there, um, you you identify with something, yep. right? I mean, a brief one, and I know we might touch on this film some more, but and I, I've made I've made jokes of it here on the, uh, on the show, but the scene in Interstellar, a newer film, fairly newer mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. where... They finally meet after all those years, and it, you, you said, I like to farm. You know, <laughs> it's a funny line, but it's this very loving, absolutely loving dialogue between a father and his daughter, right? Which kind of the roles are reversed, at, as we all know, right? As far as age. But that's one of those ones that makes me think about my mother. And it's not his mother, it's his daughter, but it's. That's what makes it so kind of weird and, and cool. Well, because you see the aging that's yeah. gone on. Yeah. And the progression um, of her getting old. Yeah. But it makes me think about my mom. So that's a tough one. Just that little scene from that movie. There's a lot more to talk about. But that little scene right there is kind of the same idea. Like I identify with that. And I always feel it right in my throat right here whenever I see that scene. Yeah, a lot of what you take out of Fuck it you. depends you. on what you bring into it. So. Yeah, exactly. We're trying to be serious here, Chris, and you're giving me the giggles. Oh, hey, I said the word throat. Put your sorry. dick away, Chris. Put your yeah. dick away. Yeah, he's all exci- you're all excited now. Andrew, you got the floor. <laughs> Let's get um, serious, Andrew. Come on. Yeah, any of you own any movies that you know they're great, but they're so heavy that they mostly spend time sitting on your shelf collecting dust? Schindler's yep. List. Um, Schindler's List is a Sh- very good example. Oh. There, there's this uh, Japanese animated film that Michelle's a big fan of. She did a review of it for the site a while back, and Blake and I actually watched it some years ago called Grave of the Fireflies. And it's a masterpiece, no question, but every time I've tried to put it on to watch it again, I get five minutes in, 
and I have to shut it off. It's that heavy. It's about two Japanese children who are swept up in the midst of the Second World War. They're innocent, you know, as their cities are being bombed around them, and it's two hours of them slowly starving to death and disintegrating. It's it's Ugh. almost unwatchable, but it's a masterpiece. It is, but that's one of the heaviest films I've ever seen because every time I've tried to wa- rewatch it, I just start crying and I have to shut it off. It's it's that bad. I, that makes you wonder. I mean, and that's a really good question, Andrew. I'm really glad you brought that up because there are I, there's uh, tons of films that I own that I've only you know I've watched them a bunch of times, but I've gotten to a point, and I feel it's the older I get, the more emotional. I think your nerves start to fray a little bit, and the, and every year that goes by, I get more and more emotional about things. Where and there's a lot of things I just can't watch anymore. I can't deal with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just you know you're you're dealing with mortality the older you get. You're thinking about the future. You're thinking about things. Um, Sensibilities yeah. just change too. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. yeah. You know? um, the one, and let's just let's just get the elephant out of the room here. As far as these things are concerned, what dreams may come, which has come up several times on this show, is one that I cannot fucking watch anymore. I can't do it. And I love that movie so much. And I Can love you? Robin. Well, just Robin Williams alone. Think you know the situation now at that is enough just to. To me up, but before he passed, he 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 left us. Let's just say that um, I could barely watch that movie. It's I, an aggressively I, heavy movie. It's, so, it's just the way it just. You think it gets bad, it just gets worse and worse and worse. It just seems so hopeless, but at the same time, the movie's so visually stunning, and there's so many beautiful things happening around you. Uh, that movie, I consider it a masterpiece. Also, it's a complete masterpiece, but I can't watch it anymore it mm-hmm. bums me out um, i think i've ever only seen that movie two times and it is it's like notoriously heavy and just like the emotions like are like waves throughout that movie and just no no and it yeah. would be hard to watch now oh, I, yeah. I i just can't deal with it i have a copy sitting on my shelf like we were talking about mm-hmm. and i will i avoid it like the plague <laughs> and it's such a great film it's so good, but it's so damn hard to deal with. It's yeah. so fucking heavy. I just don't want to put myself through that again. Yeah. So yeah, I had to say, I had to mention that. Yeah. Something that you said just brought this up to me. It might sound dumb. Toy Story three. Oh, dude! Now yes. that I have a son, I, I watch that movie and then I, I see the ending where Andy, you know, gives you know he, he plays one last time with his toys. And I know that somewhere along the way, I'm going to be playing with my son for the last time before he goes off and starts yeah, the new phase yeah. of his life. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a heart wrecker every time. There's two scenes in that movie that really get to you. And that one, but that one right there is just, I can't watch it anymore because every time it's on, and of course my kid wants to watch it all the time. I come <laughs> home and I'm like, oh, great. Daddy's got to cry. Okay, I'm going to go get some Kleenex. What's for dinner? All right, cool. All right. And he's like, Daddy's going to cry again. Daddy, let's watch the end scene on repeat. I'm pretty sure my son is the first two and a half year old sadist. <laughs> Daddy's um, coming home. Oh yes, and excellent. Toy Story Three. Um, how many uh, how many musicals have you seen in your lifetime that go out of their way to make you feel really bad? You're talking about Dancer in the Dark. I am talking about Dancer in the Dark. It's hard to believe that that movie and Requiem for a Dream came out in theaters in the same week. Oh God, oh, Requiem. Oh my God, like two of the heaviest films. 
Could you imagine being a film critic is. watching both of those on the same day? Oh my god! And then hanging yourself? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> well, the first time I saw Grave of the Fireflies, the next film I watched after that was Last Exit, Last Exit to Brooklyn. Oh Jesus! Which is uh, same Another writer as one. Requiem. Great and movie. That's but... when he started drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. I mean. Ugh. That movie, it, like, it's a great movie. Visually amazing to watch. All the characters are great, but there is so much sadness in that movie. It crashes like it crashes like a plane. I mean, it just yeah free falls at the end. You gotta like work yourself up yeah. to watch Requiem. It's like you want to show it to a friend who hasn't seen it. It's like this is a really great movie, but. Yeah. Have you, you had gotta, a good day? Yeah, you got to be ready for it, man. Like, very... because if you have, great. I'm going to ruin it. Have, have you had a bad day? Okay. <laughs> Suicide the... watch. I got it. Yeah, right, yeah. I'll, I'll bring the sleeping bag over and some Doritos, <laughs> and I'll just make sure that you don't kill yourself before <laughs> the morning. Reportedly, the first time Darren Aronofsky showed the film to an audience, uh, everyone sat in stunned silence when the end credits rolled, and he just sort of casually crept out on the stage and picked up the microphone and asked, is anyone angry? <laughs> <laughs> Three people in the front row with needles sticking out of their arm. Mom, guy. <laughs> That's another one, though. Same thing. I won't watch it. I, I have it sitting oh, see, there. I will watch that movie repeatedly. I can't do it. Man. Because I just, there's so many things. There's so much texture in that movie that I like to oh, watch. It's beautiful it, to look at. Yeah, I saw the film three times in the theater when it came out, and I, I still love it now. I like The Fountain better, but that's a whole other can of worms. I mean, they're both Aronofsky that, films. You talk about another think, sad movie. And Which I haven't one? seen The Fountain Ooh. yet. The Fountain. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, The Fountain is really heavy. Well, on the Darren, on, on the Aaron up. Aronofsky. Thank you. Darren Aronofsky. Say that three times done. fast. I'm the Aronofsky. Uh, Aronofsky. I'm the Aronofsky. The Wrestler. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. The Wrestler is some pretty heavy shit, especially considering how much it lifts from uh, from Beyond the Mat and really channels the uh, Jake, Jake the, the Snake, Snake Robert story. story with the daughter. That's well, yeah, that's spot you know, on. And the thing about that, you know, what I think films, you know, a lot of these films, they deal with just bad logistics, right? There's just, it's a matter of bad timings just that, that really changes the, the direction of what could happen, right? And, and the wrestler, I mean, really what fucked things up for him was just one night of drinking. You know, he just had too much to drink one night. He partied a little too hard and overslept. And that's yeah. what really fucked things up for him in that movie, which sent him because things were going actually pretty good, and there were some beautiful scenes, just some beautiful speeches that were made. And it's like, okay, this guy's turning it around. He, you know, hey, look, a lot's been lost, but he can still get some of this back, right? And I'm totally rooting for him, totally rooting for him. And then that one little thing—I mean, it wasn't little, right? It was yeah. huge, but it was just a simple. A case of just bad logistics, a bad decision that was made, one bad decision, and it altered the course of this film and eventually, the, you know, the main character's life, right? Um, that's what really makes me the most upset about this film especially is like, I'm like, you know, I know it's a story. I know this is just fiction. Right? Well, it is, but it's very... But it, it upsets you. You're like, dude, I would have done it totally different if I were you. Yeah, we've heard that a million times. Oh, it's very mm. realistic because oftentimes it is just those little split-second decisions or even haphazard mistakes, like not setting an alarm text. and sleeping yeah. in. All of a sudden, yeah. 
I didn't baby see, jail. I didn't see the text. Sorry, I didn't see your text. And then, you know, something gets all fucked up. We've all been through something like that, right? Um, what are you doing, you Selfie. Idiot? Why? All you got, I hate you. Yeah, I post shit on Instagram. And you know what, you know what no. really pisses me off? You didn't turn the lights up, but I'm having a really hard time reading this piece of paper right now. I don't now. care. I'm trying to make you sad. Maybe it's the dyslexia. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> probably <laughs> trying to make it. We're um, not. We're not talking about blue. that right now. No. All right, so get to yeah. get back to beating our meat. <laughs> the wrestler is the ending of the wrestler is one of those just all time worst ones for me, man. But it ends so powerful though too. Mm-hmm. It just ends fuck su- such power. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy though. Like Aronofsky has this talent for doing these really <laughs> deeply depressing, dude. sad. Movies. I mean, they're repressive, really, yeah. if you Ooh. think about it. Ooh. But I mean, The Wrestler, Requiem, Black Swan. Yeah, yeah. Black Swan. I was going to mention. You know, too. yeah. I don't really know how you, sad that movie really is, but it's it, it draws an emotion from you, and you're really drawn into that with that movie. Nova's yeah. pretty bleak for being a hundred. $80 million movie also like yeah it's got some of the expected action sequences in it but it's pretty much everybody drowning and survivor's guilt that's true too yep I love that movie I'm gonna throw one out here I don't know if everybody's seen this one either we need we need to talk about Kevin oh, oh god god damn holy shit that's, that's a- Tough movie. Did you Un- see this, Blake? Compromising. Not yet. Uncompromising. Oh yeah. I tried to get you to watch this one a while back. Yeah, it's just kind of my life right now, man. This movie just <laughs> literally starts, continues, and yeah. ends in the dump. Yeah. Not because it's a bad film. It's a fantastic movie. Mm. But it really just kind of just glides along, and you don't really ever come. There. There's a few bright spots. Very, very short, bright spots. But those bright spots are to mislead you into thinking things are going to get better. Exactly. And then it just fucking punches you in the throat and drags you through hell for the rest of the movie. It's a a painful movie to watch. Um, And let's just leave it at that. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, I don't want to spoil it. Another masterpiece, though. Oh, yeah. Tilda Swinton is awesome in that movie. Fucking awesome in that movie. And Ezra Miller is just like, I mean... He is it's so horrible. He's horrible. Disturbing. Yeah. I, and he's, it is. That and he ending. plays it so straight. He's just so deadpan the whole way through. Yeah. Um, and he's an artist. He's a total artist. Uh, the, the end of that oh movie. God, like, fuck. oh, fuck, that really just happened? Yeah. Oh. Um, to lighten things up, I'm just going to just keep hammering on this list here. <laughs> um, Big Fish. Who's seen Big Fish? Oh, I've seen Big Fish numerous times. Um, Only once. People no. may... Now, this may be one of the debate about... Uh, have you seen it, Andrew? Not yet. Oh, Jesus. Well, Chris... Shocking. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. No. Um, <laughs> there are some scenes in that movie that just break my heart. And I, that's the only way I can say really express that is just... There's some things I see this beautiful person who has just this amazing knowledge of life and you think well someone that beautiful will just last forever you know but no and it's kind of what you got to deal with in that i remember albert finney plays the old character right and then ewan mcgregor plays the The young young character character, yeah Mm. speaking of the casting in that movie how 
creepy is the resemblance between young Allison Lohman and older Jessica Lang. Oh yeah, that that's that's kind of disturbingly. It, <laughs> they are eerily similar. Like you that can picture Allison Lohman really growing up into Jessica Lang. Yeah, that happens a lot in Hollywood, where like we see the same features repeated over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. There's there's so. a, there's just one scene in that movie w- with the bathtub. I don't know if you remember that or not, Chris. Yeah, it's been scene. a while. Um, the bathtub tried to eat his friend's baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. There's a bathtub scene for people listening who's seen it that just, you know, there's an embrace. And it's just, I remember Amber made me watch this movie. I'm like, oh, this be stupid, big fish, whatever. And I walked out of that movie. I mean, that was one of those ones I'm like, I mean, Amber, I looked at Amber and she's like, are you like choked up? I'm like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. You know, a movie's got a really heavy bathtub scene, just to add to what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's not really... I mean, I guess it's kind of a heavy movie, but it's kind of all over the place. Um, the Rules of Attraction. Has anyone seen The Rules oh, of Attraction? Yeah, I've seen that movie probably 25 times. I the, have. I don't think I have. The bathtub suicide scene with uh, with Harry Nilsson, um, was it Can't Live Anymore? Yeah. Is playing in the soundtrack. That's That was one of those scenes in the movie that... Uh, really got to me because it it's so prolonged and it's like you feel every ounce of this girl's last moments that is a great movie it really is a great movie i remember a lot of people did not like that movie when it came out Mm -hmm. but i saw that like three times in the theater Mm -hmm. i love the way that movie shot it's very aronofsky and how it's shot yeah and then james vanderbeek was the main star right yeah yeah Ian Sommerhalder. And, yeah, it's uh, so weird seeing Vanderbeek as like the main star in a movie like mm-hmm. that. But he was great. The Passion. Oh God! Saw that fucking thing on Easter. Yeah, I remember seeing that on Easter. I don't know how it ended up being on Easter. I, I don't oh, know. And they still well, did not explain the bunny rabbits. So I've just been kind of waiting on that one. It's not about the bunny. <laughs> Is it about the bunny? Is it about the brown bunny? That's depressing. Oh. Chloe said, yeah. giving Vincent Gallo a blowjob. I'm depressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the passion p- was... Uh, as a lot of people will say it was just a glorified snuff film. I mean, I, I, I think we've... Has everybody seen that movie? In? Of course. Yeah. Uh, again, I think this is another case where what you take out of it depends on what you bring into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if you bring into it... Like, even if you don't buy into the Christian faith. Yeah. I mean, th- there's no question that at one point in time, Jesus did exist and he did go through this. There's historical record for it. It's messed up to watch a human being endure that kind of suffering, no matter what it was for or what you believe. Well, so, uh, go ahead, Andrew. I was going to say, it's a very visceral assault on the viewer. Um, personally, myself, I find Last Temptation of Christ a lot heavier comparatively for... Uh, the idea of what he has to give up. There's to more of a narrative to the last temptation yeah, this, of Christ yeah. too. Yeah. There was a, an emotional is, connection yeah. as opposed to a just viscera. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's there, and that's the thing. The passion. I mean, it's very, very gory for one thing. It's very graphic. It's nonstop too. And, and yeah, it never ends. But then you know, within that, there are some scenes where they're you know, within all this gore and just absolute brutality happening to the main character let's say um jc jc um they do cut (laughs) they do cut into some of the like they do cut into some childhood scenes right yeah 
So now you're seeing this the innocence of his child, and then they cut back to what's happening in present time, and that's what kind of put the hook in me a little bit. I'm like, oh god. And it is an astonishingly well-made film. I mean, say what people will about Mel Gibson as a person or as an actor, what have you, but that man can direct the absolute shit out of a movie. Oh, yeah. Mel Gibson. Apocalypto is is still just... God, That's a movie you've never seen anything like it. Yeah. It looks so cool. Did you see Hacksaw Ridge yet? Not yet. I really want to see that one. I've heard Andrew Garfield. We should watch that over here one night. Yeah. I think that's Definitely. one to watch. I'm down. Down here. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, one I was going to bring yeah, up a yeah. little bit out of left field, uh, and it's probably my favorite uh, revenge film of all time, is uh, Park Chan-wook's Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Yes. Like, that's one that just feels like getting dragged through broken glass with your dick out. Like, it starts <laughs> off... Like, it, it starts Not off, that I would know or anything. Just, <laughs> it starts off with the characters as... At, as low as you can possibly go and then t- to think it gets worse going. it just keeps on going and it's unrelenting and there's no no sympathy even though it's called sympathy for mr vengeance there's no sympathy for the characters right. you're really just standing outside of their plate watching them on this unrelenting downward spiral with some pretty extreme violence i'm still amazed it got away with an r rating personally but that that's one to mention because nothing seems to go well for anyone in the movie and then it just gets worse and worse with every scene yeah there's some shots in sympathy for mr vengeance that just tend to stick with you forever Mm -hmm. after you see them Mm -hmm. the uh the body being dragged through the lake water with just the cloud of blood billowing up behind it i'll never forget that Mm. the shot of the the girl with only her eyes you know up in the water open looking at the uh looking at Ryu, knowing what he's done, but there's nothing you can do about it. It's too late. We could do a whole podcast on Park Chan-wook. We could. Oh, easily. He's one of the most talented directors working, bar none. Yeah, definitely. I I have so many here. Chris, go ahead. Well, one the girls were telling us we had to talk about, even though their vaginas are not in these seats tonight, was my girl. Oh, a. Not the bees. <laughs> Not the bees. Hey, I, oh, they're in my eyes. I will freely admit to sobbing like a little bee. God, that, that movie one. upset me. Well, because it's not just that it's a sad movie. It's that it's a sad movie that something really bad happens to a child. Yeah. yeah. And I, that makes it like a hundred times worse. And it's already mm. sad. But then there's that moment when Anna Klumski runs to his casket. Yeah. And starts uh, begging him to come out and play glasses. in front of all of his family and friends. And you see his parents just breaking oh, down in the fuck, front row fuck. like, oh, my God. You, you just reminded me of. Oh, that was the worst. Uh, that was the worst. My oh. of this movie that we wrote about, uh, Michelle actually told me about it on our nuclear holocaust list called Testament. Which oh, is, yeah. Have you seen that movie? Yes. Where this mother and her family slowly die off because of uh, nuclear fallout. And the Lucas Haas, who plays the boy in Witness, is uh, one of the first to die. And uh, they're burying his body and she won't let the casket go down and do the last rites because his bear, his teddy bear is not with him and she's frantically tearing through the house and screaming at the priest, I have to find his bear! I must find his bear! And it's just utterly wrenching to see that her uh, her grief sort of reaching a, uh, a animalistic state. Threads. Uh, threads. Staying on that. Yeah. On that thread. Threads. Mm. 
Oh. Yeah, has anybody seen Threads? Bits and pieces, not the whole thing. I saw it because that was out like in the mid-80s, right around the same time as the day after, correct? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that was during that time when there was a lot of a lot of films being made, especially like TV films being made. I remember these when I, when I was growing up. There were you know, there was all the scares of you know, nuclear crisis, nuclear fallout. We're gonna have a nuclear war, nuclear, nuclear, mm-hmm. everything, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of these things being made, of which Threads was made right in the middle of that too. And yeah. this was the worst one to watch of all that lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just I don't, I don't even know. How, I, there's no eloquent way of saying it. It's horrible. It's just fucking horrible. It, it you know it's not. It's such a well. First off, it's just a very dim movie. It's very gray. There's not a lot of color in the film. It's very brown. It's and very dingy yeah, it's looking. Very dingy, and they did it obviously for a reason. Yeah, um, it's all the ash. Yeah, yeah, it was just very dingy, and there's just things that happen throughout, and all it is is just a matter of survival. Like, how are we going to get through this as people? And there's you know, it's focused on a, on a couple of characters, um, and it just it's just all it is is just that. There's no like hook or any type of story arc or anything. It's just this is what happened, and this is what's going on after that. You know, it's, it's dropped in the middle of it. Yeah, it's kind of strange though what happened with that in the '80s because there was so much nuclear. Yeah, the nuclear scare was happening. Everybody was freaked out, so they made all these movies about people getting nuked the fuck out. Yeah, and it was like it was terrifying because you were already scared that this was going to happen, and then they put all these movies about out about it mm-hmm. actually happening. Like the day after with Jason Robards and everything. Mm-hmm. And they put these people in these movies that were uh, TV stars. Yeah. It, and it's like you're already associated with them from all these popular sitcoms and comedies and whatnot. It's and like then, you know them. Yeah. You feel family. like a connection to them. And then next thing you know, they're in this movie about, you know, the entire country getting nuked. And Dur- Steve Gutenberg was in the day after, too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. During that time too, there was an, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna slaughter this one, but Joe Williams was in it too. Yeah, there was Sorry. a short. No, it's all right. There was one of those. It was like part of some larger show, but it was it was like a series of shorts, um, and I don't remember what series. I, it's just something that stuck in my head. And it's about nuclear war like this, and it's something that really put the hook in me, and frankly scared me and bummed me out. It was just a little short about this lady who found this power to be able to say the word shut up and everything would freeze. I don't know, if anybody remembers this, please. Cue, you know, that sounds familiar. Shut up and everybody around would freeze, right? And she'd say, or start talking or something, and people would go back to what they were doing, but they were all like disheveled, like, what the hell just happened, right? Well, basically, it, was, it ended like that. It was, it was just a short and... These people came up earlier in the episode saying, well, we're protesting nuclear war, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, get the hell off my... Or no, she's like, shut up. And then she more or less picked him up and put him out on the street and confused. It was funny, right? But then it actually happens. And her whole family's freaking out. They're like, oh, the bombs are coming. We're all going to die. And she's making tries to make this decision. Like, what do I do? So she just does it, starts crying and says, shut up. And then she, everything freezes. The whole world freezes around her. She goes out, and you can see the nuke, the bomb in the air, frozen. And that was just a visual they that I that stuck in my head for some reason. And it kind of ties in with all this weirdness that was going on during that time. Right, right. And I remember that I can still see that visual in my head of well, after she said that, she comes out, looks out in the sky, and sees this bomb in the air. It's like holy fuck, man, you know? Yeah, but threads. Ugh. 
<laughs> so you're talking about this, and I'm just imagining if Arnold Schwarzenegger and Kindergarten Cop had that power. <laughs> Shut up! And then just the whole school freezes, and he just starts kicking him out the window one at a time. <laughs> That's what I would do with I'm that I'm a power. cop, you idiot! <laughs> Not so, a tumor. I, I, don't even, I don't even recommend <laughs> recommend threads. I mean, I, 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 it's just that hard to watch, man. It's just such a. There bleak. are some movies we can recognize their greatness, but I wouldn't wish them on people. Yeah, yeah. and that's one of them. I, I, <laughs> I just can't deal with that. Um, switching gears a little bit, and we mentioned this one actually on the extreme horror episode, uh, the girl next door. Yeah, that movie is very, Absolute very sad. Bummer. Absolute complete bummer. That um, one drags you through the gutter, too. There's so much innocence in that film that you watch just get trampled on. Yep. Over and over. And not just, like, physical. I mean, we're talking. There's no goddamn line that isn't crossed. In physical, that. emotional, mental. Sexual. Mental, yeah, everything. It's everything. horrible. And that, that movie just fucking pissed me off. I mean, I got so angry watching that film. It bummed me out to, to the nth degree. I'm sure everybody's seen it in this. Everybody's seen it in this room, right? Mm-hmm. Not fair. Not fair. Um, That's all it was. It just wasn't fair, man. Which one was I going to mention? Um, the remake of The Fly is pretty heavy. If anyone remembers yeah. the yeah. operatic finale and the gradual Ooh. descent into madness and the idea that eventually wound up. Uh, more or less being remade again in uh, Michael Haneek's Amore, which is about what happens when a loved one uh, is suffering from a degenerative disease that slowly eats away at their mind, and you're still caring for this person. You know, the body's there, but the soul and spirit is somewhere else. Yeah, And it gets even more sad when she gives birth to Eric Stoltz in one of the worst <laughs> sequels of the 80s. Yeah. Uh. That's okay, though, because he gets to bang Princess Vespa. But it's even creepier when you realize that his character is actually only five years old. Yeah. He's reached full maturity. Mm-hmm. And you just brought up Eric Stoltz. So I that did. brings up another sad movie. Segway. Mask. Mask. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. That just... Back before Cher made burlesque and completely yeah. lost all of our respect. Yeah, she was a great actress in that. Sam Elliott was in that. Sam Elliott mm. was awesome. But Sam Eric Elliott. Stoltz playing Rocky Dennis. I mean, I remember like going to see that movie. I had no idea what it was about. And like we all went to see it as a family. It was like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you torturing me why like you this? this to me, me? He just wants huge. to go to camp and play with the horsey. The, that movie was huge, too. Oh, it was. was. That movie had such an impact. And, you know, what I found so interesting is that, you know, he's, he has this disease. And he, and he's surrounded by bikers, basically, who protect him. Yeah. Like, they, they watch out for him. I mean, and, yeah, that, it's, it, it it was such a fun movie. It it actually is kind of light. It's kind of lighthearted through through a good portion of it. I well, think. it is because you kind of get his, you know, teenage years and, you know, he's trying to hook up with the hot chick and or she was blind, though. She was right? blind. Yeah. 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 She was blind. But and he yeah. taught her how to how to how to feel colors. Yeah. Understand colors because she couldn't. See. Was she a goldfish? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh. I can sense the colors. But he becomes well. angry. He becomes <laughs> angry. You know, I mean, there's there's just a it's, it's a roller coaster. Uh, 
And it, yeah, the ending is just so fucking tough, man. It's a lot of the really sad movies that I can remember growing up were the ones that started out extremely lighthearted and yeah. all of a sudden just kind of hit you, you know, across the face. I mean, like, it, it's a cheap one, but like City of Angels. It's like, oh, they're, they're going to be together forever. It's going to be amazing. And then she makes the stupid decision of riding down the road with no hands, looking up at the sky like she's Stevie Wonder, and then dead. So, no more banging Nick Cage for you. And that actually kind of reminds me, there's a lot of movies out there that people, they tell you they're so sad. Like, oh my god, this is so sad, I just wanted to stop it, whatever. And the one that I always <laughs> hear that about is Dead Poets Society. And I'm like, no, fuck you. That's not sad. He's an idiot. Oh, I'm going to kill myself because I can't be in the play. And it's going to be like in this room with a taxidermy deer head and this symbolism. No. <laughs> No wonder Dr. House treats you like shit. <laughs> you deserve it. To think this came from the same director who also gave us uh, The Truman Show. One of my favorite movies ever. Picnic at Hanging Rock, which Mas actually is a, a fucking sad movie. Witness. Witness. Another great movie. Master and Commander. I mean, Peter Weir doesn't get his, his due either. We don't really hear from him. Yeah, because you don't really, yeah. It's not like he's out there in the forefront doing stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. But. He should be. Just yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Was Master and Commander the last one? I think it, it might have been. Yeah, I could I be wrong about that, though. That was nominated for Best Picture and Best Director. I well, because I know too. for a while they were talking about doing a second movie in that series, too, but I don't think that did very well at the box office. Because that was a series of books, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I think there were like 10 books or something and, like and that. And it, it definitely won the award for the most obnoxiously long film title that year. Yes. Mm, well, there were, what, three production companies? I think so. that film? He directed a film in 2010 called The Way Back, and he has... Oh, that was a good movie. That's not about Sherman and Peabody? And he is... Uh, it looks like... I don't know if it's a remake. Um, his next film is called The Keep. I don't know if it's supposed to be a remake of the Michael Mann film. I was or just going to say. But... I could see a, P a horror film directed by Peter Weir. That'd be badass. Well, The Last Wave was kind of a horror film. We didn't arguably. mention Fearless. Fearless. Holy shit, Fearless. Oh, Fearless is really fucking sad. And that's a great movie also. Did you ever see Fearless with Jeff Bridges? Years, like when it was first out, I saw it. Um, basically, he, he survives a plane crash, and it's a near-death experience. And the whole film is him wrestling with survivor's guilt and trying to come to grips with his, uh, his uh, place in life. Should he be alive? Should he have died? Is he actually alive or dead? And... Rosie Perez also really charts, she really ch ch channels some heavy emotions in that film. I'm surprised she didn't get an Oscar nomination for that film. And one of the most realistic uh, plane crashes ever depicted on film that I've seen. That, that reminds me of a sad one. Castaway. Oh, that's another one, yeah. You never felt thought you'd feel so much for a fucking volleyball. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> but well, I, I remember being in the theater and there's just people around me like sobbing well son I'm so well, sorry it's like oh man <laughs> yeah that, that that was a heavy yeah I mean it could, a lot of people argue and, and I've heard this many times that you could chop off kind of the bookends of that movie of his life back home but in the same breath, you have to wonder whether or not the stuff on the island would have resonated if we didn't know what he was missing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it, I can see where both sides can kind of make a point. 
I think I think you need those pieces. You need to know who the person is. I mean, if you just oh, well, here's a person on an island that's going crazy. Who's got a fucking volleyball? Yeah. You you have to know where that all came from, mm-hmm. right? I mean, think about it for a second. I mean, I just spent the last week in Baltimore. That's which, pretty sad. Which is really <laughs> sad, right? That's why this is a great thing for me to come into. But you know, and like Detroit, there's a lot of homeless, right? Baltimore, there's a lot more homeless. It's like every single corner you go to, there's somebody asking for money, right? And one of the things I was actually saying to the, the guy I was there traveling with, I, we, you know, of course we got, we were getting hustled left and right. Like, here, you know, give me a dollar or whatever. And I said it to him, like, you know, some of these people, you look at some of these people, there's a couple in particular that I thought were interesting. I'm like, I really like know what their story is. Like, how did you end up here? And I've said that about a lot of, like, I think you see that with a lot of people you see, like, just some random person, like, how'd they end up here, like, right where they're at right now? Of course, being homeless, it's a very sad situation to be in. How'd you get there? You know, I mean, was it mistakes or was it beyond your control? Are you a vet? I mean, there's a lot of questions you can ask, yeah. right? And they're all sad. Well, so you it, have to have that. I think you have yeah, to have the ends in Castaway. Yeah, with Castaway, if you didn't know what he was missing at home while he yeah. was on the island. That creates the tension. Yeah. That creates yeah. the anxiety. You feel worse for him because, like, oh, shit, he could have had this marriage and this perfect life. Yeah. It was Helen Hunt. In that, yep. Yeah, right? Helen Hunt. Yeah, he could have had this perfect marriage with her, but instead he ended up on a fucking UPS plane that FedEx, 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 okay. Bastard. Give us money. They both suck ass. They both Tom Hanks has been in some tearjerkers. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Philadelphia and Forrest Gump, back-to-back oh, Oscars, back-to-back tearjerkers. Mm-hmm. And I'm still did. wondering how he didn't get AIDS. Is anybody else asking that question? <laughs> because um, <laughs> I read the explanation for this, but remember she left again and then came back? Well, yeah, but then the kid would have AIDS. Not necessarily. Well, does she got it afterwards? Yeah. Mama always said Jenny was a hoa. Mama was right. Yeah. That is a good question. I often wonder the same thing. (laughs) 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 Your mama sure but care about your education. I wish I had had shoes like that. (laughs) Why didn't he get fucking AIDS? Wait a minute. I thought about that before, too. Lieutenant Dan, ice cream. Ice cream. Mama always said Jenny's vagina was like a box of Jesus STDs. Fucking <laughs> Shut up. Shrimp, grilled shrimp, shrimp on the bar. Awakenings. Oh, yeah. God. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> I want to go you. for a walk. No, you I can't go, go for, for a walk. walk. That movie yeah. upset me also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My God. I saw that in school. High school. A psych class I had. They made us watch that movie for whatever reason. El Dopa. That's what it was called. El Dopa. Uh, and, you know, Robin Williams again. I, there's something about Robin Williams. He just. But this is And this was way before he, he died. It was the he same. Just, it's the same thing we were talking about with the day after. Yeah. You knew Robin Williams as a comedic character, yeah. and he switched to drama. And we associate the best with funny people yeah. because they draw us in with that comedy. And if you can make us laugh, yeah. we're going to feel more connected to you. So, and, well, just I think Robin Williams also just had the face too. He just he could put he, he was he was an amazing actor. An yeah. Incredible actor. And yeah, we saw him at, you know, coked up in the early 80s just freaking out, sweating himself half to death in suspenders. Um 
but then we see the softness of him in his older years when his face filled out a little bit, right? And he, and he, and to me again, I mean, going back to what dreams may come, uh, awakenings also. There's just this kindness about him that if I, honestly, if I saw him on the street, I mean, I would, I'd like to think that I'd see him. Went, wow, man, he, you know, there's just some people I think you see, at least I do, that I don't, I've never heard a word come out of their mouth, maybe, but I see him. I go, man, what a, you know, like Exorcist three is. <laughs> I hate to bring that up, <laughs> but no, there's a, there's a hard line left. That, there's a really hard left. There's there's a scene from Exorcist three where that lady, you have a very kind face, yeah. you know, and that's right. kind of the idea, you know, um, and I think Robin Williams had a very kind face. Um, yeah, Brad Dourif does not have <laughs> no, a kind face. Not at all. Not at all. He will eat your soul and shit in the hole it leaves behind. Okay, <laughs> one, right. one movie we have never brought up on this podcast for some reason, because we've talked about a lot of movies so far. Yeah. But this definitely fits into the sad category, and this just popped into my head. One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, Ooh. yeah. That, yeah. yeah. The Cuckoo's Nest. One of, oh, yeah. One of the best movies ever made, and it's definitely Jack Nicholson's best performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, He's really great in the last detail also, though. That's a yeah. It's yeah. Weird, like, when you talk in about great pieces. Jack Nicholson performances, uh, I mean, there's always usually going to be like a top five that come to mind. It's really hard to pick your favorite. Because yeah. he's so good. When he's on, he is on. Yeah. Five Easy Pieces. Oh, I love Five Easy Pieces. You want me you to want, hold the chicken? Uh, I want you to hold it between your knees. But One <laughs> Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, that's the, like... God the, damn it. That's the. one of those movies where... The, the Cuckoo's the. Nest. The. <laughs> it's just because you've known too many crazy so. bitches in your life, right? Well, it, it, but seriously, it's, <laughs> it's one of those... There's, there's more than I one Cuckoo's my Nest. cigarettes. <laughs> And Louise Fletcher definitely has one of them. Nurse Ratched. <laughs> Nurse that was her. That was her first performance. Won a Best Actress Oscar. Mm. What was her name? L- Louise Fletcher. She yeah. was in a Brainstorm also. Yeah. Yes, love her. But that movie, talk about a movie. It like you know it's going to be sad, but then you get the sense of freedom that they have for a little while, and then it all just ugh, crumbles well, you, in on. They them. put their arms back around them again. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Then the ending, the lobotomy basically yeah, happens, nice. and you're just like, oh fuck, yep, mother. Well, the leader, the leader has been killed. They, I mean, they knew he's like, they cut the head off the dragon, and everybody else will just they'll they'll fall back into place. Yeah, yeah. that's what happened, right? But one of my favorite scenes is the boat scene when they're all getting on the boat. They're basically hijacking a boat to go fishing. Yeah, these are all doctors, and they're all just standing there, just like all oh, stoic. <laughs> like they they nailed that like they're these people are all from the fucking loony bin but they're all stoic standing there and they're playing the part and they pull it off yeah right mm-hmm. uh, yeah that movie crash lands also I think it just one of just it just you know and they and they do show you know at the end business back as usual now they show you that whole piece where we well, see we're back to normalcy again right yeah. this is the way it should be you also all, you know. Yeah, fuck that. It's a, there's, God as far as like real life goes, there is n- nothing quite so sad as going through a lot of shit, and then suddenly it seems like it was all for naught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that happens quite a lot. That's shit. why I hate Alien Three, hate the beginning <laughs> of Alien Three so much. 
Oh, yeah. Like, oh, you know these characters that you felt so attached to and you loved so much? Yeah, fuck them. We <laughs> just dead. killed them off. <laughs> and they killed them off camera. It's kind of like yeah. when we killed Cyclops in X-Men 3. Yeah, fuck, fuck that, you. too. Yeah. And the movie opens with a funereal tone, and it's just carried over for the whole thing. And yeah. But then again, you know, this was a sin- this movie already was kind of a sinking ship that has... That was started by Vincent Ward, the director of that movie you mentioned earlier, What Dreams May Come. So, And it makes you think, having seen What Dreams May Come, what would have happened with Alien 3 had Ward been allowed to direct it? Because he clearly knows what to do with that kind of tone. Mm-hmm. Well, he and, was and the one that was going to do the wood planet, right? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. why they got rid of him. Yeah, it, was, it was very... <laughs> he was actually going to take all of that, uh, the religious aspects of the prisoners and really develop that. Instead of you know, what wound up actually. I happening. like Alien Three. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love just, that movie. Just I, at the beginning, I mean, that is pretty sad. Like you went all, you got all the way through that battle in Aliens, thinking like, oh, they got away, they got away, they made well, the, it. The she funeral. has a, she has a pseudo daughter now you, mm-hmm. that she's taken under her wing that she's been protective of. Oh, she's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Bitch. That's why I was I was really on board. With the concept of Neil Blomkamp's, you know, Alien Five, or just basically tossing out three and four, just retconning the whole thing, bringing back Hicks, bringing back Newt. I think that would have been great, and I think two people in this room will definitely agree that instead of Covenant, that's what we would have preferred. (laughs) Covenant. But then we got Chappie, so I don't think we're going to see a Blomkamp Alien film. That's a sad movie in itself. All right. Um, have, are there any oh, yeah. movies that you'd say don't really constitute sad movies, but they have really very sad moments in them that are just unendurable? E.T. E.T. is e. not really a sad movie, but it goes from humorous adventure to sad. And mm. then goes back to the humorous And adventure. then goes back to the adventure thing again. But yeah, that would be one that I would say kind of puts you through the ringer for a minute when you think he's dead. Mm-hmm. I just watched that with the kids. Matilda had never seen it, and I started crying when E.T.'s yeah. dead. It's so sad, and then at the end, because it runs a gamut, because you cry from sadness, and then after the adventure comes back and they have to say goodbye, you cry because you're happy. Right. I mean, Spielberg is one of the most successfully manipulative directors oh, to yeah. ever sit mm-hmm. in the chair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chick flick alert. Okay. Steel Magnolias. Oh, fuck. That's a great movie. Great movie. Yeah. Great yeah, movie. I remember watching it when I was a kid. Was... Yeah, that was one of the ones my mom had on video cassette. <laughs> and I watched it a couple times, and that's pretty hard to get through. But the way it ends, I mean, and it, it's kind of blurry. It was just one of those, I'm like, oh, I remember that being a real fucking bummer when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, horrible things happen. Well, yeah. horrible thing happens. Yeah. Um. And at the end of it, though, and it, you know that movie, maybe that's kind of a good example. That's it's it's a it's a sad film, the the premise, but there's a lot of really it's a comedy essentially. It's fucking hilarious. There's a lot of really funny stuff that happens, mm-hmm. and you see all these characters kind of like their lives mm-hmm. change and get better, but there's mm-hmm. still something bad that happens. And at the right. end, they're all there over this grave, and if I remember correctly, they all just start kind of start fucking laughing. Like they, just, they they start cracking up laughing with each other, you know. So you do have this sense of levity, mm-hmm. right? It's still there, and I think it's more it, it's a more realistic a, a view of something that sad too. Like, okay, look, you know, this person's gone. This really sucks. 
but we got to move forward, you know, and we got to be as happy as we can. So yeah, chick flick, total chick flick. But yeah, um, I love Sally Fields. I just, I just love her so much. I've, I've loved her and everything she's ever done. Kind of around that same time, beaches. I mean, beaches. talk about being raped emotionally. Yeah, that's a holy shit movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another mom movie I had to watch. Yeah, that was a mom movie, and they just remade <laughs> right. it for TV too with the- like some popular. <laughs> Teenage yeah. actors. I heard but, they just remade Dirty Dancing for TV too. Yeah, and I was listening to yeah. people like, well, it, I said it was just okay, but the, the music was good. It was like it, it sounds just like the original. It's, then, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. right. But no, the beaches, crap. Beaches, there. man, that is a heavy, yeah. heavy, sad, sad movie. American History X. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, tough, a downer. That's a total. There's a lot of redemption. Bad to worse. Troubled production, but the end result is a movie that's still pretty affecting. Yeah. Yeah. But that one, you know, that that movie's filled with a lot of redemption for its characters, too. that's what makes it really hard to swallow at the end, too, is just that, is that we know going in to to the last act of the film that these people are changed. They're different people now. Um... And they just need a chance to show that. In the original version, not so much. But in the studio uh, version, he doesn't go back to being a skinhead. No. Yeah, that's what we're, that okay. was the original ending for the for the movie. And the studio was like, nope, not going that route. <laughs> say, that, wait, say that again? The, studi- the, the New Line Pictures yeah. vetoed Tony Kaye's original ending to American History X, which is that after... His brother's killed. He goes back to being a skinhead. Oh, that was, that was the original ending, and they were. Well, that would have been even worse. <laughs> they were yeah, they were on yeah. him trying to get him to recut the movie, and then they brought in Edward Norton, and there was a lot of contention about Edward Norton putting more scenes of himself in the movie to get an Oscar nomination, which he did get for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, the director tried to take his name off the picture. That didn't happen, so he sued the Directors Guild of America, and it just. I think he was blacklisted for a long time. So it was a messy production. No one's really sure who had final cut on the movie, but what's there is still very affecting. It's amazing yeah. that they got that out of the movie, that it actually came out that well with all of that trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You um, know, because normally usually, that won't happen. Yeah, yeah, usually studio interference is the automatic kiss of death. Yeah, yeah. Uh I, there's one that just for some reason sprang to mind as one of the saddest things I've ever seen, and it affects me every time. The Green Mile. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Michael Clark Duncan was amazing in that. Yeah. And at the time, I remember because that that was one of the most contentious supporting actor races that I could remember. It was Michael Clark Duncan, Duncan, Haley Joel Osment from The Sixth Sense, and then out of nowhere, Michael Caine took it. What was the Michael Caine? Cider House Rules. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty sad movie, too. Yeah. Lasse Holstrom's got some pretty downbeat movies in his oeuvre. What's, What's eating, eating Gilbert, Gilbert Grape, Grape in particular? Gilbert! That was, that's, a, that's a pretty heavy one, especially because the woman that they hired was not an actress. She really was morbidly obese and wound up just really putting herself out there in a in a it's a very naked performance because she's putting herself out there up to be ridiculed not just by the 
characters in the movie, but by anyone who watches it. Right, right. So She a, passed away a few years ago, correct? I think so. You know, there was a film, speaking of that idea, Andrew. Yeah. I don't know if I remember even the title. Dom DeLuise started it. If you got, I might be totally going off the rails here. Baseballs? No, 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 no. <laughs> Dom DeLuise starred in this film, and it was about him, uh, him as an what, overweight person. What was the name of the movie? I don't fucking remember. It was I so damn sad. Oh my god, dude! It broke my heart. I know what movie you're talking you about because talking about. I can picture the poster, and it's like him with like spaghetti all around him in like food. Pizza the Hut, man. <laughs> Pizza the he Hutt. ate himself to death. Oh my god! Somebody look it up because it's going to drive yeah, me nuts. Now, now we're like, oh, yeah, this is bad. Out. This is bad that we're wasting as much time. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> we we got to figure it out though, and it's my fault. I'll own this. We Sorry, listening know. audience. No, it was in the eighties. It I'm was in the eighties. Sure. There were just scenes from the film. While you guys were looking for that title, there were just scenes from the film. You know, it's more or less just you know a battle for mm. of a person trying to like lose weight, and the and, you know. Um, and I can attest, I got a belly, so I fought this my whole fucking life, right? I've been battling this my whole life, and I've you know fatso. That was the name. Fatso, of the movie. thank yeah. you, fatso. Um, and there's just a couple of scenes where he gives in, and they they show him like literally he's in a car driving with a bucket of chicken, eating like fried chicken, just crying, and it's so f- and be, oh god damn dude, it was that. That's that another was, example of a comedy actor really kind of. Yeah, suckering you in to the emotional man. angle. Soul crushing. I, I just that just popped in my head thinking of you know. He was always you know, an excellent actor. Excellent, excellent fantastic actor. Yeah. Um, has, has anyone in here seen uh, Ingmar Bergman's Cries and Whispers? No, no. Oh man, I've only seen that film once. Ingmar Bergman's a master. I mean, obviously, having directed The Seventh Seal and Persona. Scenes from a Marriage, and he directed, he directed the original oh, no. Virgin Spring, which was the basis for Last House on the Left. Oh, really? Yep. yep. It's a remake of uh, of the Virgin Spring. Anyway, this film, Cries and Whispers, uh, came out the same year that The Exorcist did, and both movies are just naked portraits of human suffering. It's about a woman dying of cancer, early 20th century Sweden, who's visited by her two sisters, and it just unlocks a nonstop barrage of of uh, petty atrocity after petty atrocity that gets uglier and uglier as the film goes on. Namely about these uh, vagaries that are being committed by the sisters and how in the midst of it is this woman dying of cancer and she's getting closer to... Uh, to uh, achieving some sort of uh, spiritual enlightenment while everyone else around her is just becoming more and more depraved. It's a it's an un, near unwatchable movie. I've only ever seen it once, if that tells you anything. I'm going to watch it tonight. And you're going to beat off, aren't you? Boys don't cry. Ooh. Oh. You know, Hillary Swank has two tearjerkers that, that are really... Boys don't cry, of course, and then Million Dollar Baby. Oh, yeah. and I got that on the list here, too, man. Oh. I saw that in the theaters four times, and the, the last time I took a friend with me, she's like, you've seen this fucking thing four times? Are you an asshole? Like, <laughs> million yeah, Dollar Baby? Million yeah. Dollar baby. Yeah, that's a really like powerful, powerful yeah, because, movie. Because, again, it's, it's, a, it's a senseless act, something that's just kind of... Well, yeah, it just 
something done wrong, just split in the second, heat, heat of the moment, and then boom, split second. Like we're talking about just bad logistics again here, yep. right? Um, it could have been avoided, but yeah. somebody had to be a fucking asshole, right? Yeah, yeah. That that was another one of those really unfair films. It just mm -hmm. really got it really got under my skin. What I'm going to throw out there too, Godfather Three. Oh yeah, I don't want to talk about the Coppola. first two. Yeah, yeah well, she was fucking terrible. Yeah, but, she was. But but that that point aside, the <laughs> things that happen in that movie, and the way that film ends, um, and you know, you gotta take into context also, like you watch Michael Corleone basically grow up through Godfather and Godfather Two. You watch him become what he's become, right? Which is not what he wanted to become. No, that was clear. That's he kind of the. the the overarching tragedy of the whole series. That, and, yeah. yeah, and if I'm if I'm correct on this, I have heard the original title was supposed to be called um, "The Death of Michael Corleone." That was oh. the, they weren't even going to call it "The Godfather 3. They're going to call it "The Death of Michael Corleone." Uh, but of course, they wanted to keep the Godfather brand on there. Yeah, they knew it would it would sell better. Um, how that film and there there is the scene with Michael Corleone, Al Pacino, when his when Sofia Coppola dies, where he just is screaming at the sky. Um, some of his finest work, in my opinion. He just, he is, his daughter died, right? Um, this sounds really bad, but mm -hmm. every time that scene comes on, mm -hmm. I actually sigh and say, finally. <laughs> because someone put a so bullet bad. in this yeah. awful I'm performance. not thinking about. I know, I, I know, know, I know. I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the headspace of the film. Uh, and they, of course, as I said, the end. Um, yeah. Which it, it, Godfather Two ends the same way, but he's he's young and he's sitting by himself smoking a cigarette on his on his property, right? And three ends with him same thing in Italy, sitting by himself but very old, and he just you know. And it mirrors the end yeah. of yeah. Like the, the original, original Godfather. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They all they all kind of yeah they they all fit together. Um, that movie just bummed me out like really bad too. Like, you know, and again, it's cause I really love those films and you know, like we were saying like that character, we, you fall in love with these characters sometimes and you're sad to see them go. Right. Yeah. You know, a lot of people take issue with the Godfather three, but I actually really like that well, movie. Except for, and I think it's a great Sophia bookend. Coppola, to, fucking yeah. terrible. But, I think it know. is a great bookend to the series, but it's not just Sofia Coppola. That's terrible in that movie. Garcia, Andy Garcia, who got an is, Oscar nomination for that. Yeah, and if you watch it, it he was his, that bad. His performance is gut wrenchingly bad in that movie. He's so over the top. He's like almost doing the El Pacino screaming thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in The Godfather Three, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's like, what the fuck? What What are you on, dude? Act! Don't <laughs> scream! It's like asshole and the human centipede three all over oh, again. Yeah. Yeah. Really people just, I don't, I've yeah. seen this with the academy. Sometimes they just seem to equate scenery chewing with a good performance. Yeah, and yeah. And like it's not Renee Zellweger true. winning for Cold Mountain. It's like okay, so, you deserved nominations for a whole bunch of other work besides this, and this is what you went for. I do love that movie though. That's a really good movie, but it is very sad. Also, talk about getting raked over the coals. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the ultimate nut kicker yet. It's up there on the screen, The Mist. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. That movie feels like getting physically kicked in the balls. You're getting fisted by one of those monsters in the movie. <laughs> oh, well, the, the I watched... Was, go ahead, Andrew. Oh, the ending wasn't in the novella that it was based off of. Oh. That was a pure 
Frank Darabont invention. And after the film came out, Stephen King said he not only thought it was better, he wished he thought of it first because it's such a... Uh, it's clever. It's mm-hmm. such a crusher of an ending, and it leaves you with so much to deal with. And there, There's... I, I just watched that... I just went on YouTube and watched that mm-hmm. yesterday when we talked about doing this thing or two days ago or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, fuck that movie. <laughs> that movie upsets me so much. The giant... I mean, it, it's so spectacular looking for one thing. And they, oh, yeah. they call it the giant colossus, that thing that comes walking mm-hmm. by. That's how the book ends, it, just with the colossus walking over and then them driving off into... That thing just wherever. fucked my head up. Well, just that visual... Mm-hmm. For some reason, I I guess I think if the world's gonna end by th- this way, this is what you're gonna see come walking yep. by. It's just mm-hmm. this colossus coming by, literally shaking the ground as it walks. Man, mm-hmm. that's not the the nut kicker. No, the, the, the nut, nut kicker, kicker moment is. is I, I don't even know if we want to spoil that because it no, is one of the no. the most depressing endings ever. It's horrendous, but but it is kind of. Uh, it's totally a, a funny, uh, like a yin yang bookend to the Shawshank Redemption, which is a film that is about hope, and how it's one of the, you know the best things in life, and also based on a Stephen King novella. Mm-hmm. And then you have The Mist, which just takes the entire concept of hope and shoves it up your ass, yeah, mm-hmm. and then rips your heart out in the process. I remember the first time you and I watched that. We watched the black and white director's cut. It was yeah, you and, and I knew that you had seen it, and you were just like staring at me, waiting for that ending to happen. Like yeah. you just, you just couldn't wait to see, just all life drained from my body. <laughs> Not <laughs> to mention sadist. they used uh, <laughs> "Dead Can Dance" uh, by uh, oh, what's the name of the track? It's used in the film Baraka, and it's played over. Uh, images of poverty all around the world so you're you're meant to feel bad in there too yeah. but it it picks up some <coughs> extra weight in the mist it's uh it's, it's a very heavy film and one of the things i have to give frank darabont a lot of credit because the studio was adamant about changing that ending and he agreed to slash his own salary and slash the budget and work on the cheap with a television cinematography crew that was that used to actually work on the shield in order oh, to get fuck. this movie made the way that he wanted it made. And then to also get a black and white version released. I mean, it, what was going to be a prototypical Stephen King horror film from the director of The Shawshank Redemption suddenly turned into a true director's picture that not only has an extremely memorable ending, but was a love letter to those amazing creature features of the 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It no, that's a great cha- movie. It definitely yeah. channels the I love that movie. Dead. Love it. The mm-hmm. finale of Night of the Living Dead, where just nothing turns out well for anybody, especially in the black and white. Like, if you're going to watch The Mist, if you haven't seen it yet, go pick it up. Only watch it in black and white. That's the only way I've watched it for the past yeah. few years. They actually showed the black and white version up at the Bijou by the Bay Theater. Oh, that's right. I remember City. you going to that. I remember. Yeah. Up, up, up. Yep. The, the, just the first ten minutes of first that movie, minutes. man. The fir- ten, first minutes ten minutes of Up is better than five fucking Twilight movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember. I, we had not seen Up, and I bought it on Blu-ray. And like me and my mom and Alicia, and my mom's husband Michael, and Bethany and Connor and Lucy. Like it was like Thanksgiving or something. We're like, oh, dinner's over. Let's go watch this Disney movie. Oh, Give yeah. us something to be thankful for. Yeah, and we put on Up, and it starts. It starts getting sad, and my mom like is like, what are we watching? <laughs> and like, it's Disney. 
Yeah. Somebody has to die Somebody in order for die. the rest of the story to Bambi's progress. Mom. Yeah. Every Disney movie, somebody's got to die. The Lion King. Uh, just, oh. Simba losing Mufasa. Oh, yeah. Because they really milk it in. He's like trying to wake up his his dad's body and then he like nuzzles himself underneath his yeah. his dad's lifeless body. Yeah. I remember there was a lot of contention when that came out. Like, this is too heavy for kids. You know, why do why does Disney keep pushing this on kids? Da da da. And I mean, while I didn't agree, it 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 was enough that it stirred up some controversy. They so. do it all the time, though. I don't know why anybody would be surprised by that. <laughs> Disney always kills the mom or dad every fucking time. Mm-hmm. How about this one? But the I sad know. part is that she didn't get to be a mom. Yeah. Here's a. I know we only got a couple more minutes here, Chris. Yeah. Anybody uh, see that documentary, Dear Zachary? No, no. I have not. Oh. You want to just... Oh, why did I bring this up? Why did I bring this up? Um, that's a documentary. You know, I, 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 I shouldn't even brought this up because it is so gut-wrenching, upsetting to watch this documentary yeah. and see how ridiculous our legal system can operate and see how much damage you can inflict on a family. This is a documentary for you if that's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to put yourself through hell, yeah. watch this one. Um, it's that's kind of what this is all about, though. Like this yeah. whole podcast. And, but this yeah. is all, this is all, this this what makes it so upsetting is all, I mean the, the vast majority of the things we've talked about here tonight yeah. are all films. They're works of fiction. Um, some of the stuff I'm sure is based on some reality, of course, but they're films. Dear Zachary is a flat-out documentary. Reports the facts. Here's everything, and more or less. And what the, and the actual title is: Dear Zachary, a letter to a son about his father. This thing was produced for the child to see someday about his dead father. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, you know what? Yeah. No, there's there's other there's other things too. I'm. I'm You're skimming over. Yeah. No. Yeah. Fuck it. Anybody's out there (laughs) seen it? You know what I'm talking about? It's so damn upsetting. I think we're pretty much at the end of this thing. American Beauty. We didn't mention American. Did we mention American Beauty? No, we did not. Dear God in heaven, we're gonna get beat up for that one. I know. Yeah. Well, that's my Um, favorite movie of all time. Is it? Yeah. That's a. That's a great. That's another one. That's another one of those ones where it's just weird logistics, bad logistics, bad logistics, bad neighbors. Yeah, bad neighbors. (laughs) But just a a simple little misunderstanding that could have been avoided really easy. Do not move next door to Chris Cooper. That is the God no. The moral of the story. He is always a bad dude. So I know we've only got a minute or two left. But, uh, it's all yours, Andrew. But uh, I still haven't seen that movie you were telling us all about yet, Rudderless. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Isn't that William H. Macy's directing debut? Yeah. William H. Macy really? directed a movie. It stars Billy Crudup, um, and it also stars Anton Yelchin, which now makes the movie even, yeah, even more sad yeah. Yeah. because a lot of people didn't know this, but Anton Yelchin was a very talented guitar player and singer. In the movie, Billy Crudup's son dies. It's not revealed how his son dies, and I'm not going to spoil that for you because a lot of people have not seen this movie. But his son dies, and the dad discovers music that his son has been writing and recording. So Billy goes out, and he's trying to start playing these songs, and then he uh, makes friends with Anton Yelchin, 
realizes Anton Yelchin is a guitar player and singer, his character, and they start a band. And it's basically him trying to make peace with his son's death, but also kind of taking on an adoptive son at the same time. Because yeah. this guy, kid is around his son's same age. They're different personality-wise, but the movie is like literally heart-wrenching. It's one of these movies that you'll watch and you think about it for a week or two afterwards because you try and put the puzzle pieces together and a lot of things are resolved in the movie about how his son dies and it turns out it was something terrible that had happened with his son. Like absolutely terrible to the point you don't even want to sympathize with his his dead son. But the entire movie is just like this emotional roller coaster like very sad and then very happy and then very sad again. I just saw another centipede. Uh, <laughs> go away. He's gone. Somebody freak out a couple weeks ago. I don't remember. Yeah, that Heather. Now. All right, <laughs> folks. I think it's time we wrap this one up. Don't forget to watch the saddest movie of all time, Howard the Duck, this weekend. <laughs> with that, this is Chris with Real Crime. Check us out at www.themoviesleuth.com. Questions, comments, or concerns, email us at chris at spoilerfreemoviesleuth.com. Hua. Hua. Visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes.